A reading from the book of Numbers. With their patience worn out by the journey, the people complained against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up from Egypt to die in this desert where there is no food or water? We are disgusted with this wretched food. In punishment, the Lord sent among the people seraph serpents, which bit the people so that many of them died. Then the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned in complaining against the Lord and you. Pray the Lord to take the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a seraph and mount it on a pole, and if any who have been bitten look at it, they will live. Moses accordingly made a bronze serpent and mounted it on a pole. And whenever anyone who had been bitten by a serpent looked at the bronze serpents, he lived. But he, being 
let none of his wrath be roused. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, Christ Jesus, though he was in a form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness, and found human in appearance, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. <laughs> Dominus Fabiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Johannem. Jesus said to Nicodemus, No one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Verbum Dohomini
Today we celebrate the feast of the exaltation of the Holy Cross. And we have these beautiful readings about the cross, about this life that God has given us through his son. We hear in the gospel today that so, so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. This love that God has for us, that the Father would send his son to suffer and die for us. It's the greatest act of love. It's the greatest drama in any story that we retell in literature or our movies or media. This suffering love, this sacrificial love, giving ourselves for another person. That's the great drama in life, you know, in the battle against evil. In Philippians, we're told this beautiful hymn that he, you know, that the Father gave his only Son. That divinity was not something to be grasped. He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness, found human in appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. How shocking it must have been for the people of that time and later that the cross was a, a brutal form of execution. Josephus, the historian, would say they ran out of wood to crucify the Roman government there that was ruling the Holy Land was so brutal in this execution. They were executing so many people that they ran out of wood. It was considered a, a disgrace. It would engender fear, considered a failure in the world. Your Messiah is crucified. The world looks upon that and says, well, he, must, he failed. But we see these weapons of the devil, suffering and death, that entered the world through the temptation of Adam and Eve from the devil, these weapons of the devil against us and used by totalitarian governments throughout the ages to force people to do their will under threat of torture or suffering or some kind of penalties. These weapons, some kind of violence, I should say, that these weapons are flipped. These, devil, these weapons of the devil are flipped and used for our salvation. It has now become the work of God, our redemption. Pope Francis would write about the cross saying that no one on the earth should ever be so desperate as not to be able to find him, even there in the midst of anguish, darkness, abandonment, the scandal of his or her own misery and mistakes. A number of converts to Catholicism will tell you that. The crucifix that we have in our churches spoke to them, that this is a God who knows suffering, I've experienced suffering in my life. I'm looking for a solution. I'm looking for help. This God knows suffering and it speaks to people. It's an answer to the problem, the mystery of evil in the world today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God power of God comes to us through the cross. 
What an image we have today in the first reading from Numbers. The people are complaining about this wretched food in the desert, and so God does not like complainers. He doesn't like squawkers. Just remember that. <laughs> I try to remember that. He sends these serpents to bite them, and they die unless they look at a, this bronze serpent put on the pole, this image of, of death. Well, Jesus bore our sufferings. He bore our sins. He who knew no sin, Paul writes, became sin for us. So he is mounted on the standard of the cross, that if we have faith and repentance, we can have this power of God poured into our lives, that we bring our sins, sufferings, failures, anguish to the cross, we receive his power, his healing, his forgiveness. In short, his life, he's communicating divine life to us from the cross, and that all sinners are the author of his passion. St. Francis would say that, you know, that our sins crucified him. It's upheld by the magisterium of the church throughout the centuries. We are the authors of the passion. Our disobedience in the garden, when we ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, death, you know, suffering and death entered the world. And we were driven out of the garden that we not take from the tree of life in this state of fallen humanity, that we needed a redeemer. And that redeemer comes to us through the cross. So now the church fathers spoke of the cross is this new tree of life. We have that in the preface today, I'm going to say before the Eucharistic prayer, for you place the salvation of the human race on the wood of the cross so that where death arose, life might again spring forth. The cross is the tree of life that God wanted to give us in the garden, but now through Jesus Christ and his merits, his obedience, we have access to that tree of life. And Mary at the foot of the cross is also at the foot of this tree of life, that she is a new Eve who brings us the fruit from the tree of life, the cross. She's the mediatrix of all graces. She intercedes for us. This grace passes through her immaculate heart to us. All this is in accordance with the plan of God. The opening prayer today for the Mass said, who willed that your only begotten son should undergo the cross to save the human race. We have the suffering servant psalms from Isaiah, centuries before Christ, this prophecy, the Messiah. Jesus himself alludes to these sections of Isaiah uh, 53, that he would come and give his life as a ransom for the many. In Lent, we say, by his stripes we were healed. This mystery of substitution, by his stripes, by his sufferings, we are healed. First Peter chapter one, you were ransomed from, your fu from the feudal ways inherited from your fathers with the precious blood of Christ. All this is prior to any merit on our part. Romans 5, eight, but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't make ourselves good. 
to merit such a redeemer? We were dead in sin. It's a gift. That initial gift of conversion, of baptism, is a gift that we cannot merit. That's such a simple words. While we were yet sinners, God did all this. Sometimes, you know, we hear it said, why do I have to go to confession? When we go to confession, we should be filled with gratitude. We have this opportunity in the sacraments to receive this mercy, to receive this new life. If we've sinned seriously, you know, to be poured back into our hearts. Adam and Eve sinned by disobedience. Sin and death entered the world. And Jesus atones for our disobedience by his obedience to the Father's will, obedient to the point of death, rejected by those who he came to save, put him to death. Romans 5.19, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. And a beautiful aspect of all this, in John chapter 12, he says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. That he dies for each one of us. But we, as all were made sinners, all are offered salvation, that there's this communal aspect that we're saved, as Vatican II says, it's document of the church, that we're not saved without bond or link with each other. We're saved part of the body of Christ, together united in Christ, reunited to one another. We have a common fall, and we're saved in communion with Christ. We're even bonded in our, our sins, that I don't look down upon another person because I'm a sinner too. I can say, me too, as some a beautiful Protestant song says that there's level ground at the foot of the cross. And we all stand on level ground. We all are saved by the blood of Christ. So we're called in being disciples to take up our cross, that the grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, and then it bears fruit if it dies. We die to ourselves. That if we lose our life, we'll find it. These are paradoxes that make no sense in the world, with a worldly view. That's the last thing we want to do, is die to ourselves. But if we do that united with Christ, there's this incredible fruitfulness. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, if, I mean, we all, have these various sufferings that you know, nobody else can fully know, but God's drawing this fruitfulness out of each of our lives in the bearing of that cross. I mean, you might be so hidden, you might be despised by the world, you might be overlooked, considered of no account, but your life is fruitful. Not measured by how much money you make, the degrees you have, your popularity, your success. But it's the cross, that it's at the heart of Christianity. It's the cross at the center of our spiritual lives. It's the cross that makes our life fruitful and beautiful.
So we're called to see others in the, in the light of the redeeming love of Christ. Again, in, at Easter, the exultant, we say, O oh, happy fault that merited such and so great a redeemer, that this is offered to us, to be part of salvation, to be part of redemption, to share in that. <clears> o <throat> oh, happy fault. <clears throat> 